they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday. This is the 4th of August, the Feast of St. John Vianney. And um, it's also the first Friday of August. And the first Friday of the month is dedicated in a special way to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. So we want to remember to honor the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Um, Jesus asked for the nine first Fridays where you go to Mass and confession, receive Holy Communion in reparation to the Sacred Heart of Jesus for all the offenses by which he is offended. And sin is always an offense against God. So we make reparation. God is good. We want to pray. Um, it's noon, so we'll begin with the Angelus. And then we want to talk today about true freedom. What is freedom? What is true freedom? Um, are we supposed to just do whatever we want to do? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. We ask for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Come, O Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that in the same spirit we may be truly wise, and ever rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. We ask the angels to join us here and give us light. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabot, Pleni Suncelia Terra Gloria Tua. Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini. Hosanna in excelsis. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, here we are on Friday. Uh, please share it with your family and friends and let them all know. Join us. Come on, join us here. We want to learn about freedom today. And I, I want to start with the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Um, I also want to use some of the um, great, great uh, insights that were given to us from the Opus Sanctorum Angelorum Summer Circular Letter. Um, you can go to opusangelorum.org, O-P-U-S-A-N-G-E-L-O-R-U-M.org. And they're going to, by the way, have parish mission here in Covina, California at the Sacred Heart Chapel 
on August 28th, 29th, and 30th. It'll be after the retreat at Oceanside. If anyone's interested in a, uh, well, actually, a three full day retreat. It starts on Thursday evening, goes all day Saturday, all day, all day Friday, all day Saturday, and half the day Sunday, too. So that's at Oceanside on August 24th through 27th. You can get in touch with them and see if there's uh, still room on that retreat. So we want to talk about this. Last week we were talking about um, God as our Father in the way of spiritual childhood. And we want to continue that, but we're going to focus here on freedom. What is freedom? Did God make us just so that we could do whatever we want to do? We could live any way we want. We can live to indulge our senses, live to indulge all the um, appetites of our body, um, live for ourselves put myself first, you know, um, as Bishop Sheen, or is it, who is it? So I guess it's, I guess Dennis Prager talks, even though he's not Catholic or Christian, he's, he talks about the unholy Trinity, me, myself, and I. And uh, maybe he got that from Bishop Sheen or someone else. But the, the reality of this, yeah, you know, who are we worshiping? Who are we serving? And we want to look at that and look at who we made to serve. What What is true freedom? So, we look at God's holy word, but I want to look at the catechism of the Catholic Church here, and it talks about man's freedom, okay? Again, I like to point out that Father Glenn, um, who was our pastor here for three years at Our Lady of Grace Parish at Sacred Heart Chapel, the um, parish of the personal ordinary at union with the chair of Peter, he used to point out, you know, even when he was a Protestant pastor, he was using this Catechism of the Catholic Church to prepare his sermons. Why? Because he discovered that it had such incredible commentary on Scripture. Oh, my goodness, the Catholics, you know, they have this great commentary on Scripture. Let's use it. Yeah. So man's freedom. What what about man's freedom? Um, Number 1730 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church and um, through numbers... 1742, and then the, the summary paragraphs are 1743 through 48. So man's freedom, what about it? Well, God created man, a rational being, right? In the divine image, he made him male and female. He created them, the divine image. God is a rational being. He has intellect and will. Conferring on man the dignity of a person who can initiate and control his own actions. God willed that man should be left in the hand of his own counsel so that he might of his own accord seek his creator and freely attain his full and blessed perfection by cleaving to him. Okay, so they get that from the book of Sirach. Sirach 15, verse 14. When God in the beginning created man, he made him subject to his own free choice. It's interesting because before that, in verse 11, it says, Say not, it was God, God's doing that I fell away. (laughs) No, it wasn't God's fault that you fell away, for God hates what he does not do. Say not, it was he who set me astray. So don't say it was God's doing that you fell away. Do not say it was God's doing that you went astray. No, God doesn't do these things. Um, God gave us freedom. If you choose to keep, if you choose, you can keep the commandments. Verse fifteen says, "It is loyalty to do His will." Okay, so when God in the beginning created man, He made him subject to His own free choice. If you choose, you can keep His commandments. 
It is loyalty to do his will. So remember when Moses gave the Ten Commandments, he says, I set before you a blessing and a curse, life and death. Choose life then that you might live. Okay? So man is free. He's supposed to choose for himself. Man is rational and therefore like God. He is created with free will and is master over his acts. From Romans 6. No, that's not from Romans. Actually, that's from St. Irenaeus against heresies. So freedom and responsibility. What happens here? Freedom is the power rooted in reason and will to act or not to act, to do this or that, and so to perform deliberate actions on one's own responsibility. By free will, one shapes one's own life. Human freedom is a force for growth and maturity and truth and goodness. It attains its perfection when directed toward God. Our beatitude. Our beatitude is God. We were made for God. We were made for union with God. So if we are always oriented toward God, we will have blessedness. In, in Numbers 17, 21, it says this, God put in us, excuse me, God put us in the world to know, to love, and to serve him. And so to come to paradise, beatitude, union with God. Beatitude makes us partakers of the divine nature. We are called to partake of the divine nature. We're called to something beyond our capacity because we're creatures, but we're called to partake in the nature of God, our creator. We're called to partake in God's nature. Whoa, do we hear this? And of eternal life, partakers of the divine nature and of eternal life. You can look at 2 Peter 1, 4 and also the Gospel of John 17, 3. With beatitude, man enters into the glory of Christ, Romans 8, 18, and into the joy of the Trinitarian life. So this is our freedom. This is our freedom as the children of God, is to choose God and to go towards that beatitude for which we were made. As long as freedom has not bound itself definitively to its ultimate good, which is God, there is the possibility of choosing between good and evil. What is the church saying here? As long as freedom is not bound by its, itself definitively to the ultimate good, which is God. Well, in heaven, we've bound ourselves definitively to the ultimate good, who is God. But by the way, the saints in transforming union have bound themselves on earth to God. They've committed themselves to God. Do They, they still have the possibility of falling away, but they, they're... they're whole life is oriented toward God and they beg God daily for the grace that they never fall away no matter what because until we take our last breath there's always a possibility that the world the flesh and the devil one of our you know our own remember our enemies the world the flesh ourselves our own flesh and the devil might get in there and trick us into rejecting God in a moment of weakness so we have that freedom to choose between good and evil and thus of growing in perfection or in failing and sinning. This freedom characterizes properly human acts. It is the basis of praise or blame, merit or reproach. I hear the music. We're going to have to take a break. We will be back with much more scripture and much more on freedom in view of Holy Scripture, God's holy word. What does God us? Don't go away. Please ask your friends and family to join us. 
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on Friday, this August the 4th, 2023. First Friday of the month of August. Please remember to pray to Jesus and make reparation for all the... um, outrageous sacrileges and indifference by which he is offended try to spend time with our lord in the blessed sacrament try to go holding mass and receive jesus in holy communion worthily um, go to confession if you haven't been to confession in a while so in number 396 of the catechism it says god created man in his image and established him in a friendship genesis right god made man in his own image in the divine image he made him male and female he created them a spiritual creature man can live this friendship only in free submission to God. The prohibition against eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil spells this out. For in the day that you eat it, you shall die. Remember, God planted all the trees in the garden. He told Adam, you can eat from all the trees except for that one tree in the middle, the knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch it. Don't eat it. So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil symbolically evokes the insurmountable limits that man, being a creature, must freely recognize and respect with trust. Man is dependent on his creator and subject to the laws of a creation and to the laws of creation and the moral norms that govern the use of freedom. You see, God is a good father, and like a good father, he tells us what's good for us, right? So we have God as our father. We talked about that last week and being children before God, right? So the first corollary that follows from the fact that God is father and creator is his supreme authority over us. We're his creatures. He made us. We're his children, dear children. But we, he made us, okay? This truth is widely rejected in today's society. The denial of the sense of sin. Oh, you know, sin, what is that? That's just an old-fashioned idea that makes people... You know, Reject having fun. Yeah, that's, remember Satan in the beginning. He tells Adam, well, did God tell you not to eat of any of the trees? What does he do? Right away, he's exaggerating the prohibition. No, you can't eat from anything here. God put all this beautiful thing. You can't eat any of it, right? Oh, no, 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 Eve says. No, 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 just just this tree. This tree that I'm standing under. I can't, not what I'm not supposed to eat, you know? Yeah, yeah. And oh, gee, why would God tell you not to eat from that? Well, no, you won't die. You won't die. You'll just become like God. Isn't this what Satan does with sin? Oh, it will be fun. You'll enjoy it. You'll, you'll have more, you'll have more um, autonomy. You get to express yourself, right? And then as soon as we sin, what does he do? do? Oh, you're, you're no good. You're not worthy of anything. God could never forgive you for what you did. Look at how horrible you are. You may as well just give in and give up. You know, before sin, as Bishop Sheen explained, Christ is the accuser. He says, don't do that. He sends his angel to say, don't do that. That's going to harm you. It's going to destroy your relationship with, with God, your creator, with your father, with the Holy, the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God who made you, God who redeemed you, God who sanctifies you. So don't do that. And it's going to harm you. It degrades you as a human person. But then once you've sinned, he says, come to me. Come to me. I will wash away your sins. Though they are as... Um, though your skins be like, sins be like scarlet, I will make them white as wool, but they be crimson red. I will make them as white as snow. Yeah, Christ wants to forgive our sins. He doesn't want us to go out and sin and sin boldly. That's not what he says. 
You know, and, it's, and we're not dunghills covered with snow. No, he redeems us from within. He transforms us. So, you know, in, in the world today, many people want to reject the moral authority. They want to reject the authority of the church. Um, and they do this in the name of freedom, in the name of love. And unfortunately, many within the church are preaching the same gospel of, of, it's not a gospel, it's an anti-gospel. Anti-gospel of freedom from the moral law and from the truths that God has revealed. Freedom from the purpose for which God has made us. So many are no longer children open to open for the will and guidance of God and his grace, but have become stubborn, spoiled children in their self-will and desire for autonomy. But the church still seeks us and calls us back to freedom. And this freedom, remember, our freedom as a human person arises from our being made in God's image as a person in God's image, a person to be loved, a person who has free will to choose to love and that's why we're free is to choose to love and it is loving and obeying god that makes us free when we reject god's law okay it actually doesn't make us free remember jesus said in the gospel of john he says anyone who sins is a slave of sin and no slave has a permanent place in the household. Anyone who sins is a slave of sin. And, has, and no slave has a permanent place in the household. But we have to respect the freedom of others too. And this is in num, number 1738. Freedom is exercised in relationship between human beings. Every human person created in the image of God has the natural right to be recognized as a free and responsible being. All owe to each other this duty of respect by the way parents yes you have to respect your little children you don't put them down don't try to belittle your children you know and and by the way little children um don't understand sarcasm so don't try and use sarcasm on your children when they're in, in their formative years you know between the ages of newborn and 13 maybe maybe when they get to be 13 or 14 they might understand sarcasm but beforehand, all that does is cause emotional wounds. It causes problems. Now, we need to be, we need to respect the dignity of our children. Now, they have their own will too. Now, their will is in training and they don't know how to choose. They don't know the difference between good and evil. They haven't reached the age of reason yet. So they have to be taught what is good and what is evil. And they have to, their will has to be trained in that. And it's true also for adults who, you know, who might belong to a different religious conviction than our own and and it's not now i'm not saying a church there's only one church jesus christ only founded one church but there are many religions there always have been but we respect the dignity of the human person and we don't force them to convert and by the way the catholic church never did that that's not what the inquisition was about it wasn't about forcing people to convert it was about keeping order in society the society was a christian-based society and and by the way jews and muslims weren't brought before the inquisition it was heretics that were brought before the Inquisition. Because when a person started preaching heresy, when they started distorting the gospel, it caused civil disorder. <laughs> so um, we have a, a fire and sword. It's on the Inquisition and um, the Crusades. Matthew Arnold did it. Great presentation. 
clears up a lot of the misunderstanding about those two periods in history and what actually happened in those events, the Crusades and the, and the Inquisition, and what they were really about. So you put them in their historical context and understand them. Okay, but the church didn't force people to convert. Now, granted, we have individual people who do, and we have individual people who misunderstand the gospel and think that they have to use the gospel to beat people over the head with it um, and beat them into submission, as a matter of fact, sometimes. That's, you know, that's, well, the church says, the right to exercise of freedom, especially in moral and religious matters, is an inalienable requirement of the dignity of the person this right must be recognized and protected by civil authority within the limits of the common good of public order. Now, if you, if you have a religion that says a father can kill his children in their own home, we got a problem. Just like right now, there's an anti-religion going around in our world, the anti-religion of induced abortion, where it says a parent has a right to kill the baby before it's born. And now it's, it's extended. Now that the people in our government who support that are actually trying to say, as a matter of fact, they have a right to kill their baby up to the time the baby's 28 days old. Um, that's infanticide. It's just murder. Either way, it's murder. Whether before the child is born or after the child's born, it's still murder. And the reality is, is that by doing this, society is degrading the human person, denying the rights of the individual, the helpless, the defenseless, the weakest of our society, de denying their rights, denying their dignity as persons made in God's image. This doesn't lead to freedom. This leads to slavery and debauchery. And that movie, Sound of Freedom, portrays in a rather, um, not, not too graphic, my understanding is they, I'm, I'm not going to go see it personally just because of the emotional impact it might have on me that would be too much. But I have read about the movie. I've seen clips of it. I've read about the man who actually was the man who, started this whole movement to um, underground railroad to, to, to free children and people who have grown up in this slavery of sex, sex trafficking. And so um, it degrades the human person. When you use other people as objects, and even if it's not, you know, maybe you're just using as, as a, as a pawn to control the people around you, you know, uh, you're emotionally wounded and you're afraid you're going to get abandoned. And so you have these children and you use them as a pawn to control your, your spouse or, or your relatives or the people in your family or, you know, whatever. Everyone becomes someone to use. This is not right. This is wrong. It's degrading to the human person. By the way, it's degrading to you. Anyone who uses other people like that, that's degrading. So we go to God and ask for the grace to give to each the dignity that is theirs as children of God. You each have a dignity as a child of God, as made in God's image, as persons to be loved. We have this great dignity. We have this reality of who we are. You know, and, and it's interesting because um, who we are is who we are. We are God's children made in his image. No matter what we do, we're still his children. Now, we may degrade that image and end up in hell for all eternity and therefore be a distorted image of God for all eternity because we've distorted ourselves with sin. But it, we still are who we are. And, and um, God made us for union with him. And that's what's going to make hell such a hell. Because for all eternity, we will be frustrated. Because God could not accomplish in us the work he desired. He couldn't draw us into union with himself. 
Satan is frustrated for all eternity. You know, misery loves company, honey. He's miserable and he's going to be miserable for all eternity. It's just the way it's going to be because he rejected God and his plan. And because he rejected God and his plan, he's going to be miserable. And he tries to make us miserable because he's jealous. And because God became man and he was cut to the quick. I am an angel. I am the highest of angels. I am the bearer of light. Shouldn't everybody be looking at me? No, everybody should be looking at God. (laughs) It's Lucifer. You're a creature. And sorry, you got it wrong, but he tries to get us to get it wrong too. Shouldn't everybody be looking at me? Shouldn't everybody be taking care of me? Shouldn't everybody be concerned about me? And, 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 and I should be first. No, God should be first. God should be first. And we should be thinking about God. So what are some of the threats to our freedom? Well, sin is a threat to our freedom, right? Uh-oh. No, no, no. Can't be right. Uh, uh, the clock is ticking down and I hear the music. Oh, <laughs> we're up against the break. So we're going to talk after the break about threats to freedom, of, uh, threats to freedom. So come back, bring your friends and family to join us and make sure you share Virgin Most Powerful Radio with everyone you know, through the app, through our social media platforms. Thank you for our benefactors and those Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. And uh, Terry's not with me in studio today, but that's okay. He's with me in spirit. <laughs> and uh, so we're talking about now threats to freedom. What, what are the threats to freedom, right? The exercise of freedom does not imply a right to say or do anything. It is false to maintain that man, the subject of this freedom, is an individual who is fully self-sufficient and whose finality is the satisfaction of his own interests in the enjoyment of earthly goods. This is false. The Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith gives us this instruction. Moreover, the economic, social, political, and cultural conditions that are needed for a just exercise of freedom are too often disregarded or violated. Such situations of blindness or injustice injure the moral life and involve the strong as well as the weak in the temptation to sin against charity. By the way, charity is that participation in God's love. You know, it's not so much that we have loved God, but that God loved us first and loved us to the point where he sacrificed his only son. Even when we had sinned and turned away from God and lost his friendship, he did not abandon us to sin, but helped all men to seek and find him. By deviating from the moral law, man violates his freedom, becomes imprisoned within himself disrupts neighborly fellowship and rebels against divine truth. Yeah, that's what he does. You know, we, we, we can um, turn away from God. And when we turn away from God, it's a problem. It says in Galatians that for freedom, Christ has set you free. For freedom. Freedom from what? What are we redeemed from? By the cross, Christ has won salvation for all men. He has redeemed them from the sin that held them in bondage. 
For freedom, Christ has set you free. Freedom from the bondage to sin. In him we have communion with the truth that makes us free. The Gospel of John 8, 32. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus said in that Gospel. The Holy Spirit has been given to us as the Apostle teaches. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. See 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So that even now, here on earth, according to Romans 8.21, we glory in the liberty of the children of God. The liberty of the children of God. That doesn't mean we're liberated from the Ten Commandments. It doesn't mean we're liberated from the moral law. It doesn't mean we're liberated from our Father in heaven who loves us. No, the moral law stems from our nature as men. The moral law, God, the Ten Commandments, God, he made us a certain way. So he gives us the Ten Commandments, you know, the owner's manual, right? God made us. He gives us the owner, the Ten Commandments. This is, this is your way to happiness. This is your way to earthly happiness and eternal happiness, right? And it also stems from our dignity as those who are redeemed by the blood of Christ. Do we recognize the price that was paid for us? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, made man, sacrificed himself for us. He shed every drop of his blood. You have been bought and paid for and with a price. The price is the blood of Christ. The blood of the spotless, unblemished lamb. The blood of the victim who immolated himself, who although he is no longer dying, lives for all eternity in his risen glorified state, that act of immolated love, the lamb who was slain, who still bears his scars. No, he's not on the cross anymore, not in heaven, but he still bears his scars in heaven. He's still the victim who immolated himself and act, offers himself for all eternity to the Father, for us sinners. So this is our dignity. We're called to a supernatural union with God. Christ's grace alone leads us to this union, our ultimate goal for which we were created, eternal happiness in God. We were made for union with God. This is what Adam and Eve lost, and God could have left them to that, but he said, no, I'm, I'm going to send a redeemer. He promised a Messiah. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, he said to the serpent, to the devil. Between her seed and your seed, it will strike at your head, you will strike at its heel. I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between her seed, the son of God, who would be born of a woman, born under the law to deliver from the law all those who were subject to it, from the law of sin and death. Now, does that mean we're not going to die? No, we still die. But it means that we have an eternal finality, okay? God, the grace of God in Christ, is, it's, not, it's not a rival to our freedom. It's it, what makes us free, okay? We're, we were free. We're made to choose the good, the true, and the beautiful, to know God, to live in union with God, right? So the grace of Christ is not in the slightest way a rival of our freedom. When this freedom accords with the sense of the true and the good that God has put in the human heart. On the contrary, as Christian, as Christian experience a test, as Christian experience a test, 
especially in prayer. The more docile we are to the promptings of grace, the more we grow in inner freedom and confidence during trials, such as those we face in the pressures and constraints of the outer world. By the working of grace, the Holy Spirit educates us in spiritual freedom in order to make us free collaborators in his work in the church and in the world to build the kingdom of God here on earth. That was a quote from the catechism number 1742. And Mother Gabriella also, Mother Gabriella was the foundress of the Opus Angelorum, the work of the holy angels. She talks about freedom. The freedom of the children of God is often denied today because it is confused with the earthly, creaturely freedom. Usually a person strives for that freedom which has himself as purpose and goal. Do we examine our conscience? Do we have ourself as purpose and goal? Who are we living for? What do we aim to get? Mother Gabriella goes on. He wants to be completely independent to do what he likes. Freedom is not to do what you like. It's to do what you were made to do, to be who you were made to be. She goes on. He wants to be free from laws and commandments, dogmas and precepts. Don't we see these? Don't we see? Isn't this what the world is crying for? Do away with the church. Do away with commandments. Rewrite the commandments. Redefine the church. Remake the laws of God. Oh, yes, certain prelates in the church, certain priests who are teaching say, oh, yes, I know the Bible says that, but the Bible's wrong. Excuse me? We're creatures made in God's image as persons to be loved, and we're going to tell God he's wrong? So God is wrong when he condemns sin? When he tells you that it degrades you as a human person to commit that sin? When it tears you down? When it takes you and divides you from yourself, from your neighbor, and from God? No, I don't think so. We need to look at our lives and examine them. We need to go back to living for God. Even if the world doesn't, individual Christians, we have to do this. We have to do this. If we want freedom and and truth, if we want goodness and beauty, if we want union with God. For this reason, Mother Gabriella goes on, he also denies sin or seeks to absolve himself from it. Doesn't the world do that? Oh, well, you know, I'm personally opposed to abortion, but, um, excuse me, honey, induced abortion, whether it be chemically induced or surgically induced or induced by placing a IUD in the womb, however it's induced, if it's induced abortion with the intention of killing a child, that's a sin. It's a sin against another human being, the destruction of charity, right? We're sinning against our fellow na- our neighbor. And, and it's a sin against mankind as a whole because it degrades the human person. And it, and it makes us think that life is cheap and that we are the arbiters of life. We're not. God is the giver of life. God blesses life. And so we don't call it a sin. And we don't acknowledge the child as a child. Remember what they did in Planned Parenthood for years and years and years. Oh, oh, don't worry. There's, there's no baby there. It's just tissue at this point. Let's get you before you're 14 weeks pregnant. And we'll tell you it's just tissue. Well, no, excuse me. If you study anatomy and physiology, if you study the development of a human child, they know that by day 25 after conception, the child's heart is beating. 
The brain waves are already detectable before the baby's body is fully formed. But by 12 weeks, the baby, baby's body is fully formed. I had a 14-week miscarriage, and I wasn't at the hospital. I was at home, gratefully. So I could hold my baby, and not only I could hold my baby, all of our children got to see their little brother, their little brother, Joseph and Mary Peel. And they could tell it was a little boy. And he had 10 fingers, and he had 10 toes. He had two arms and two legs. He had hands and feet, and he had his head and his little body, and he was so tiny and so helpless. And we couldn't do anything for him other than to love him and say, Jesus, take him home. Take him home to heaven. We baptized him. Okay? Little baby, but he was all there. Very tiny, but all there. And we got to see him. We got to see him. When most women don't even know yet that they're pregnant. I knew right away. <laughs> I knew right away, usually, when I was pregnant. Yeah, things change in your body. And it's like, something's different. But... I didn't have a lot of morning sickness, just, you know, for, for those of you who do, I know it's difficult and I, I realize that, but I didn't, I, I, for whatever reason, that wasn't part of my suffering, but, but we call sin by other names. So, you know, in, in order to, um, genetic engineering of words, Dr. Bernard Nathanson was one of the people who he actually, what founded NARAL and, and was, he was an abortion doctor was eventually converted. Anybody can be converted. We can pray for these people. We have to pray for each other, all of us, that we will all be converted. Okay, Dr. Nathanson was converted, and he became a great pro-life advocate. But he said, we need to change the language because people won't accept it. If we, let, you know, if we keep talking about the baby in the womb and we keep talking about the reality of life in the womb, people, we, we got to change the language. Talk more about that on the other side of this break. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more on truth, the truth that sets us free. And who gives us that truth? So ask your friends and family to join us on Virgin Most Powerful Radio and share that we have a Bible study. I'll be right back. Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, this has gone awful fast. It's the last segment of today's show. I want to thank all the radio stations that pick us up. I want to thank all of our listeners, all our benefactors, our volunteers, our staff, our radio hosts, um, all of those who join us, those who ask for our prayers and those who pray for us and offer their sufferings for us. And um, thank you so much for all your support. Um, we're, we're talking about freedom and the, the threats to freedom and what is true freedom. Is that true freedom doing whatever I want or is it doing God's holy will? So we're talking, I'm using um, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, of course, scriptures, and because um, it's a Bible study. And Mother Gabriella, some of her writings from the, the Opus Sanctorum Angelorum, as, and you might want to go to the opusangelorum.org website and try and get their um, circular, their summer circular. You can ask for it. I, um, I don't know what the fee is for it. But you can you can go ahead and subscribe or get this. It's a great little. They only pour, they publish it quarterly. They have different um, articles every quarter. So freedom and doing the will of God. And we were talking on before the break about this idea of you know people absolving themselves from sin and how do they do that? Well, usually by genetic engineering of words. We don't call it what it is. And Bishop Sheen talked about this. He said you know instead of instead of saying the person is a thief, we say they're a kleptomaniac. Instead of we're saying you know, one thing or other, we say, oh, they have a complex or they have this or that or the other thing. And, and granted, there are, there are things that can happen to people that um, mitigate their freedom. But there's also the reality that in the whole abortion industry, and I, and I do 
focus in on that because it's, it's huge. And again, in the sex trafficking industry, it's like uh, my son, our younger son was saying to us, he said, you know, it's funny. Everybody knows it's out there. Nobody wants to talk about it. And the Sounds of Freedom movie, it took him five years to get it out. It is going international. And we praise God for the, the exp- exposing of this horrible, horrible reality that's going on. But the reality is, is there's, there's something else underlying here that also nobody wants to talk about. Contraceptives are what paved the way for all of this. When married couples start using contraception in their marriage, then the purpose of sex becomes pleasure. And whatever is pleasurable is okay for me. Again, what are we doing? We're rewriting God's law, okay? God joined love and life together in marriage. Conjugal union and procreation. They go in marriage. That's where they belong. Children need a family to protect them. Now, what happens is, well, when the, when the contraceptives fail, by the way, and for all of those out there who think that, well, if women just use their contraceptives, you wouldn't have a need for abortion. No, actually, that's not true. The reason they push contraceptives first is because contraceptives don't always work. And then they knew that they would have a uh, market, excuse me for saying it, but that's the way it is, the market for killing children through induced abortion. That was Planned Parenthood's plan. And of course, others jump in on the bandwagon and, and want to get in on the money. That's what it's about, the money. Okay, so, and I'm not condemning people who have had abortions, please. If you've had an abortion, please just go to the Lord and say you're sorry. Tell the child you're sorry. Go watch the movie Unplanned. Abby Johnson had to abortions. She understands what it means, but she wants, she wants it to stop. She wants us to stop and to recognize and realize we need to stop lying to ourselves. We made up this, this narrative that I can do whatever I want, whatever feels good for me, it's okay. No, the sexual revolution of the 60s, that the use of artificial contraceptives in marriage and then induced abortion, this all led to the breakdown of the family it has led to um, no-fault divorce, children without parents, and now the, the, whole, the huge sex trafficking thing. Why? Because if the purpose of sex is pleasure, then why can't I have sex with anyone at any time, anywhere, whatever? And there are. There are people for pushing for laws right now to make it legal to molest little children. Okay? So you see how a little thing... This idea that, oh, well, you know, I, it's, it's hard for us to raise a big family and we just don't. Well, honey, there's a thing called self-control and there's a thing called nursing your babies, by the way, ecological nursing, and it does space your babies. It really does. If you ecologically nurse, you don't put the baby on a schedule when you bring them home from the hospital. You let them nurse round the clock on demand for the first six months. And at six months, you try and introduce foods. They may or may not want them. They can go a whole year nursing. They can live on breast milk for a whole year without any supplements. It can happen. So um, we need to live according to God's law. And anyone who's had an abortion, God loves you. God loves you and he loves your child. So go to God and say you're sorry and tell your child you're sorry and ask God to take that little child home to himself. Okay, anyone who's helped another person have an abortion, repent and turn back to the Lord. Don't let the devil trick you into thinking that you have to continue down this dark path. Get off the dark path. Come back to the Lord. Come back to the light. That's what freedom is all about. When we come back to the Lord, he fills us with his light and we see how beautiful we are. 
we see that we are good and beautiful, that we are made in God's image as persons to be loved. It doesn't matter where we've gone. It doesn't matter what we've done. And it doesn't matter what other people have done to us. God loves us for who we are, his very dear children. And he wants us to behave like him as his very dear children. So he wants us to exercise love and charity and compassion. I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was away from home and you welcomed me. I was sick or in prison and you visited me. Whatever you did to the least of my brothers, you did to me. So we've all made mistakes in life. Turn to the Lord and ask for mercy. Turn to the Lord and ask for mercy. Yes, it's possible. It's possible for doctors who have killed little children. Dr. Nathanson said he personally performed over 75,000 induced, induced surgical abortions himself. He was converted to the Lord. He, has, he repented of that before he died. There's a place for him in heaven. There's a place for you in heaven, no matter what you've done. There's a place for every one of us in heaven. No matter what we've done, where we've been, go to confession, find a priest, go to confession, repent of your sin, and don't let the devil keep you a slave any longer. Only the demons want you enslaved in sin. Only the demons want you enslaved in, in addiction, sex trafficking, abortion, contraception, even lying, cheating, stealing, embezzlement, all of these things. This isn't what it means to live in the, the freedom of the children of God. As God's very dear children, we want to live in the freedom that he has won for us. What are the works of the flesh? St. Paul tells us in Galatians 5, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. The works of the flesh are plain, immorality, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissension, party spirit, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. These are the works of the flesh, and they don't lead to freedom. What are the works of the spirit? What are the fruits of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Galatians 5, 16 through the end of the chapter. Read it. Read it. Meditate on it. Go to confession. Go to confession. No matter what you've done, where you've been, God loves us. He wants us to know freedom in his grace. He wants us to live in that freedom. He wants us to be his very dear children and behave like him as his very dear children. Whatever mistakes we've made in the past, remember that doesn't define who we are. Now, our, our mistakes can form our character, but our character can be reformed. <laughs> Any man can be reformed. The San Quentin story by Warden Clinton Duffy. He talks about the reformation of men and he reformed men. He reformed men. He changed their lives. Because he believed that men could change no matter what they've done. And people used to say to him, oh, Duffy, you should know that a leopard doesn't change his spots. And Duffy would just say, yes, and you should know that I don't work with leopards. I work with men, and men change every single day. There's no saint out there who doesn't have a past. And there's no sinner out there who doesn't have a future. We all have a future in union with Christ. 
a future that is heaven, that is glory, that is God waiting for us, waiting to forgive our sins. All he's waiting for is for us to ask. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. It doesn't matter what sin you've committed. God wants to forgive you. He desires to forgive you. He wants us to live in freedom as his very dear children. And if we continue in his will, then we'll be his children and we will walk in the light and there will be a place for us in heaven. The son has set us free. He has set us free to live in the freedom of the children of God. We're not of the flesh anymore. We are of the spirit. So we want to give up our sins. We want to go to confession on a frequent and regular basis. Even those, you know, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what sins you've committed. It doesn't matter what kind of a life you led. Mary Magdalene had been a prostitute. She was converted. Many, many, read the lives of the saints. Read the lives of the saints. Not all of the saints were saintly and angelic from the time of their childhood. There were some who were. But not all of them. Most of us are just sinners and we're just bumbling and fumbling along. And some of us aren't great sinners who go out and commit murder or whatever, you know. But and when you go to confession, make sure you examine your conscience. You know, there's the story Bishop Sheen tells about the, the lumberjacks who are coming in for confession and they all go in. The first guy goes in and he says, Father, bless me, Father, for I've sinned. It's been, I don't know, maybe a couple of years since my last confession. I've committed every sin there is to commit. And Father says, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Have you murdered anybody lately? Oh, no, Father, I didn't. I haven't done murder. Father said, go out and examine your conscience, please. Go out and examine your conscience and then come back in. He goes out, looks at the long line of lumberjacks standing out there. and He says, forget it, boys. He's only hearing murder cases tonight. <laughs> no. <laughs> not quite the case. He wanted the man to examine his conscience and come back in and tell him what his sins were, <laughs> not what his neighbor's sins were, and not just general. Be very specific. Don't be afraid. Jesus already knows our sins, and he's already died to forgive them. He shed his blood for us. Thank you for joining us on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, on Bible with the Barbers. Please share this program and our radio station with all your friends and family. Join, ask them to join us, to listen on our app, listen on our um, social media that picks us up, listen on the stations that pick our, our signal up. And thank you to those stations. Thank you to our benefactors, our friends, those who offer their sufferings and their prayers for us. We really appreciate that. And we really appreciate all of you. If you weren't listening, we wouldn't have a, a radio show. So thank you for joining us. We'll be back, God willing, next week on Bible with the Barbers. Today is First Friday. Please remember, try to go to confession, um, get to Mass, receive Holy Communion. And tomorrow's first Saturday, so we offer the prayers that Our Lady asked for at Fatima, the rosary, meditation, 15 minutes on the rosary. And we pray for the coming of God's kingdom, for the glory of God's name, that his kingdom would come, that his will be done. May we all live in the freedom of the children of God, true freedom.